right, welcome to another episode of Startup Impact Radio, the podcast about entrepreneurs and their vision for changing the world. My co-host is Scott Tobe, CEO of Signature Financial Planning, and I'm Joel Reed, CEO of OpenArc. Today, we're talking about Maps Technologies with Steve Weissman, who is a 25-year entrepreneur and a veteran of the U.S. Navy. We'll discuss everything there is to know about helping small and medium-sized businesses better navigate the road to digital transformation and Steve's work with Inspire DR. Thanks for joining us, Steve. Hey, thanks. I appreciate the opportunity, and it's good to get the word out about MAPS and about our vision. That's great. Well, tell us a little bit. Give us a 10,000-foot view of what MAPS Technologies is, Steve, just to give us a starting point. Yeah, so uh, there's been a lot of evolution evolution in MAPS, and we kind of started as a single-focused business application for the economic development industry. And as you mentioned with Inspire DR, a nonprofit, and we'll get into that, I'm sure, later, uh, we uh, broadened our focus out a little bit to helping uh, small nonprofits and community-based uh, businesses with regards to their business application needs and, and fulfilling all those needs within one single application. So that's kind of like the 10,000 foot overview without getting too deep into the woods. Well, let's, let's get a little bit deeper okay. into the woods. T t tell us a little bit about who, who did you develop this for and, and yeah. what, what was the goal for developing? Yeah. So it all started in a, just a casual meeting with a couple of uh, executives of uh, economic development organization in the Chamber of Commerce, and they were uh, discussing, complaining, really, about their needs for different software applications and multi-logins and passwords and having four or five different billing, monthly billing fees for these applications. And just through the discussions and me being a serial entrepreneur, uh, my takeaway was when I left that I can build something like this. So I, I quickly put together some uh, business partners that I've been associated with for, for many years. And we had a great whiteboard discussion on it. And uh, within a couple of weeks, we started framing out the, the documents, hired our business analyst, and, and started building our application, which is MAPS Technologies. The application itself was called MAPS. And it stands for Marketing Automation uh, Proposals and Solutions to Business Management. Not anything unique, obviously, but it, it's catchy maps. And uh, and we really built, we evolved from there. So as we begin to put it out to the marketplace, uh, we realized that there were more than just the economic development industry and chamber of commerce that had the need for this type of platform. And so we started bringing on, particularly uh, community-based organizations, some, some YWCAs, YMCAs, uh, some small nonprofits, and and we found a niche, and we just started developing that niche, and we listened to our customers. So as we work with the uh, nonprofits, and they they show us the different applications that they are using, uh, we we analyze that and, and we make a business decision on whether or not we should build that application into Maps as well, because Maps is very customizable, and we do customize it for each uh, type of business that uses the platform. Steve, can you just expand a little bit on the challenges that nonprofits have with the current software ecosystem and their pain points that you're trying to overcome for them? Sure. So every nonprofit, as you guys well know, uh, their biggest 
uh, well, their their whole mission is built on bringing money in from donations and then putting and then placing the money with, with those that are in need. And we'll just take in case Inspired ER since you brought it up earlier. So Inspired ER is a Dominican Republic um, nonprofit organization, and that was actually started by a really good friend of mine that we actually went to high school fifty years ago, and um, he it's it's basically it's a boys organization uh in dominican republic and he has gone from having two or three boys in this organization to building a community center with a pool and teaching them life-saving techniques having computer resource room and and just making a big difference in their life and really transforming them from fatherless boys to young respectable men and it's a great mission and and he's done a great job with bringing in sports figures uh, Dominican Republic baseball players and football players and support to help support the cause. But just like every nonprofit, they are budget constrained. So creating a donor base is takes up a lot of time. Having a volunteer base is just an arduous task. And then um, placing the the monetary um, not compensation, but the but placing a monetary reward to the need-based um, recipients is is tough, and and so that is just a lot for any nonprofit to handle. So there's a lot of software plat app, uh, platform applications out there. I won't name off the hundreds of them, but a typical organization will use three or four or five different platforms. So as I mentioned earlier, there's three or four different logins. They normally don't talk to each other because they don't have APIs that connect them. So there's a data download and an upload, download and upload. And it, it just makes it tough for, especially the smaller organizations, they're maybe run by a founder, a spouse, a sister-in-law, a brother-in-law. So it's a closely held type of organization. And so the administration work takes up so much of their time compared to the actual doing good. And so really our mission has been helping them do the good rather than, than doing the administration time. That's great. That's a, that, a great goal. And, uh, it's neat to hear about inspired DR. I actually, uh, was with my family in the Dominican Republic last week, uh, for spring break. And, uh, so that, uh, that's even more near and dear to my heart at this moment than, uh, than ever. What a oh, great country. Well, very good. Yes, actually. Uh, so, uh, it is a fantastic uh, organization and hopefully everybody that hears this, uh, podcast, I'm just doing a little shout out to them and just look them up. And, um, we actually are having a, uh, uh, as part of maps, we built in a event planner, uh, module, event planner module. And, uh, so inspired VR is actually running a golf charity event in Orlando in November, the first week in November, and it's all being run through maps. So from the early stages to the payment portal to coordinating the the um, the teams to the sponsorships and, and so forth. It's all being run by maps, so it's pretty exciting. So anyway, if you guys are in Orlando in November, you'd like to be part of a golf charity event, I'll send you the date and so forth, and you're more than welcome to show up. We, we have some, uh, well, I don't, but Adam, the executive director and CEO of um, Inspire DR, he is bringing some uh, DR Horse figures, since I mentioned, so I think Big Poppy is going to be there. Oh uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Red Sox fan as well. So, oh, very yeah. good. See, there you go. <laughs> yes. 
I found it interesting that that you serve the nonprofit market all the way through to real estate and finance and everything in between. But I'm curious, you know, how, how do you serve all of those markets and serve them well? Yeah. So um, obviously, we're still in a startup phase, so it isn't like we have ten thousand uh, of each type of uh, target market. But what we have done is, as we brought on a like a real estate property manager. Uh, we kind of teamed up with them, give them a an incentive to um, help us develop the tools that will enable us to build that market. And and we have learned a lot from our customers. And and if you can't, if you don't learn from your customers, if you don't allow your business to learn from your customers, that is a in my mind that's a form of poor failure, because your customers are the experts. We're just the administration of a of a widget, of a tool, of, of whatever your offering is, but your customers know better than you do what is needed in the marketplace. And so uh, through learning through different um, customers and and our customers have been our biggest source of, of uh, referrals. Uh, in fact, and I'm just throwing out a percentage, uh, I don't really know what the exact percentage is, but at least 90% of our customers have come from referrals from other customers uh, because they, they've seen the the power of using maps, the, the user-friendly, the intuitiveness of it, and, um, and this helped us spread the word into other markets, uh, other, uh, yeah, it's been a good, good process for us. Steve, when we started the show, we mentioned that you were a veteran of the U.S. Navy. Thank you for your service to our country. Talk a little bit about how your Navy background has influenced you as an entrepreneur. Yeah, so uh, that was an interesting time in my life. I I was uh, in college and um, I really didn't have a direction of what I was going to do with all that college education I got. So I decided I would join the Navy. I have a long background of of Navy in my family, uh, and actually I went in with with the intent to retire. But I went in what they call the Naval Nuclear Power Program, which they run nuclear reactors for the nuclear Navy, both on submarine and service ships, and one of the things it does is there's a weeding out process. So obviously boot camp, which is a very, that, that to me, that wasn't a weeding out process, but from there, once you get through your, your, what they call A school, your primary school, you, you get into the nuclear power program. And the first school you go to is the Naval nuclear power school. And I went down in Orlando, Florida, and it is, it, it is the attrition rate, uh, particularly in, in our class, which is back in 1984. Uh, was was almost 80%. So of all the guys that went, which was over 400 and something in our class, uh, only about 20% uh, actually graduated. And it wasn't necessarily because of the material was uh, that intense. It was just that the structure and the demands and, and, and the routine was was very intense. And, and, and that taught me a lot. Uh, now, as again, I was a little older, so I wasn't a, a high school grad. I was I was older, so I had a little bit more structure in my life. Uh, but to get through that and, and the stress involved in it, that teaches a lot about life. Because being an entrepreneur, if anybody tells you being an entrepreneur is not stressful, well, then they're telling you a lie, right? Because we all know being entrepreneurs, it, every day is full of stress from the time that you uh get the idea of the company to the time you sell off the company. If that's your goal, it is one day full of, after another full of stress. Yeah, but it, 
but the naval nuclear power um, experience taught me a lot about being able to absorb, deal with, and and um, manifest that stress with, or basically get through the stress of, of every day. And the same thing when you get down in the fleet. The fleet, whether you're on a submarine down at X number of feet underneath the water where uh, you, you know, it's, it's a vessel designed to sink, but you want to hope that that vessel also floats back up to the top. Or if it's on the surface ship where you're an enemy target at all times, uh, it's, every day is, is full of stress. And in, in the Naval Nuclear Power Program, you are training every day. So there are drills every day in the middle of the night. And it always happens to be when you just get right to, to sleep and you're woken up by, by alarms and you are uh, going through all different types of drills. So every day you're experiencing stress. So stress to me, and this is what I try and convey to my entire team, is it's, it's just a, an item that requires action, but you don't have to overreact. You analyze it and then you react. And, and that taking a second or two or five minutes to discuss it and analyze it gives you the opportunity to um, act in the appropriate manner. Well, I, I echo Joel's sentiment. Thank you for your service. It Thank is you. much appreciated. And uh, since we're talking about your past, I'd love to hear after the Navy, you know, what, what happened between the Navy and, and MAPS that led you to, uh, to creating MAPS? Yeah, so there's a lot in there, so I won't be able to go through all of it. But when I, when I got out <laughs> of the Navy, I, I still want to be associated with uh, the nuclear power. I, I got out after nine years. I was actually over in Desert Storm and uh, for various reasons. And I just got married, so for various reasons, I, I got out of the military. Um, but when, when I got out, I worked for, actually right down the road from you guys, I worked at the Beaker Valley uh, Power Plant. So it was a decommissioning of, I can't recall if it was Reactor 1 or 2. So I worked for a contractor, and I was a project manager on there with the decommissioning. Uh, so it, it was cool, uh, but it wasn't really the light for me. It was, again, it was, it was 84 hours a week, which was good. The money was great, but I wanted something more stable in my life. Uh, and so I decided I'd go to work for a, uh, it was a division of waste management. So it was the nuclear remediation bit division. And we traveled all over the United States running projects to decommission um, DOE facilities, mainly Department of Energy facilities. And I, um, uh, various projects between Cleveland, I ended up in Saratoga Springs, New York, connected to New York there for the old GE um, Department of Energy Research Facility. Very cool location. I, was a Florida boy. I grew up in the warm the Florida. I got put up in Saratoga Springs by choice because I, I thought it'd be a good place to go on a project. And the winter times are brutal. Beautiful in the summertime, winter times are brutal. But anyway, uh, I worked there. And then finally in, in 1997, uh, my wife and I uh, took a trip out to Las Vegas in February. And we were coming back. And the weather in Saratoga Springs was horrid feet of snow and I was like why are we going back here I can't and so I just I decided that I was done with the corporate world uh the corporate world wasn't really for me anyway I wasn't a great fit just because um uh, I wanted to be able to to create be creative show uh, more of my expertise and just a on a defined project and and not that the corporate world is is not a great thing but uh I for me, it was a little stifling to where I couldn't um, provide all that, those different levels of creativity that I, that I think I have. Uh, so anyway, I quit the corporate world. We 
I never lived in Dallas, Texas. We picked that as a place to live. We we went out to Dallas, Texas, and I then I just had to decide what I'm going to do with uh, my life when I grow up. And the easiest thing to do as a person with no job is to what? Become a consultant. So I started becoming a consultant, right? A self-proclaimed consultant. And I did that for um, chiropractic facilities and, and physician offices and so forth. And, and from there, I just started becoming an entrepreneur. I got these opportunities uh, from friends and so forth to say, hey, I'm thinking about this or this. And, and but of course, having the ideas of, of different opportunities is one thing, but taking the initiative to actually act on them is another. And so most of these friends, uh, while they were great ideas, they had the fear of actually acting on those opportunities. And that's the difference with me is I didn't have fear. So we, I, I've done everything from uh, creating SEIR, uh, S-E-A-I-R, the flying boat, uh, which was a really cool startup that uh, my friend out of Orlando, Florida and I did. And actually we were on a episode of Baywatch. So if you ever Google SEIR on Baywatch, you can actually see the YouTube video of that. And um, to uh, starting and uh, developing a day training platform for a broker dealer firm in, um, in New York City, uh, to a casino gaming boat, to a real estate technology platform, and, and of course, maps. So a lot of different um, entrepreneur opportunities. Uh, there's a couple others I didn't mention that weren't so successful. We always like to brag about the successes, right? So <laughs> I'll stop it there. <laughs> so you're telling us Scott and I could have been on uh, the Baywatch set uh, if we had known you <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Earlier so, in your career. Yeah, so, so my buddy, uh, Steve Kerr, not the basketball player, but uh, he actually, I think it was Blythe. Uh, anyway, one of the girls, her contract wouldn't allow her to go up in the in the boat, and they were launching it from the, the ocean out there in California. So he had to put on a one-piece bathing suit with a wig on, and uh, he actually went up there with the pilot as, yes. It was, it was oh funny. It was, it, it was a great episode, yes. That's funny. Well, we definitely have to Google that on YouTube later. Yes. <laughs> you should attach it to the end of this podcast. Uh, You'll get a kick out of it. Yes. Very good. Steve, I love what you said earlier about not overreacting. That's what one of the things you learned about handling stress in the Navy. And that's something I had to learn through starting my company. It took me probably eight years to learn that, that, not overreacting in those stressful moments. Have there any be, been any times recently where you've maybe had to remind yourself not to overreact or something stressful that's been happening with maps that that you've been able to apply that kind of experience to help you get through? Sure. So uh, I think a lot of that, and I, and I think any entrepreneur, especially when they have partners, right? So there's, although I'm the, the first founder of MAPS, I quickly brought in two fellow partners or founders. And of course you have those partner discussions, right? And it's very tough. Uh, I mean, that's what broke up the Beatles, right? They couldn't handle that stress in, in the differences of opinion on how to run a company. Uh, but we manage that well. And, and I have, as, as I tell everybody, I have two very, very type A partners and I love them to death because that type A their, their attention to detail and their drive to succeed is 
beyond measurable. It, it is fantastic. And that, and they are the reason why we are where we are today. Um, I, I don't think I could have done maps could be where we are without, and I know we couldn't be with it there without Brad Prater and Alicia Rogers. So two fantastic partners to have, but it is admittedly, it's a challenge. It is absolutely a challenge because we do not always see eye to eye. And, uh, so my ability to, to, um, stand back, analyze the situation and not overreact is key. And, and I always have to maintain that. And, and so that's the most glaring example. Obviously, day to day, there's other examples where perhaps, and we've all been through it. If you've been a part of a software company and you launch a, a platform or if you make iterations to your platform and you release those, those updates, you have bugs. And there have been times when, oh, we release a, the dev team releases other bugs and, you know, the, the platform goes haywire. And then, of course, you are in damage control. Thankfully, you're not in a submarine. You're not you know, going to general quarters because of flooding. So everything is, is, will be okay. Uh, but we go into damage control, especially with our customers. And, um, so, but, but that takes having some really being able to analyze it and knowing, or at least you, you have to think, you know, what the right decision is to make, uh, with regards to those type of uh, situations. So Steve, just like you, I also, I also prefer talking about my successes, mm -hmm. but Joel and I have definitely found uh, that the entrepreneurs that we talk with have learned the most from their failures. And so I'm going to make you talk a little bit about something you didn't want to talk about. Well, let's hear a little bit about some of the failures that, that you had and what were the main lessons that you pulled out of there that you feel you'll be able to apply to making maps a success? Yeah. So, uh, um, truth. what, uh, I, I had this just idea and again, it was by Steve Kerr, who he's my oldest friend in the world. We have known each other more of uh, well over 50 years and just my best friend in the world. But he convinced me one day to get into a motorcycle dealership, uh, to buy one, run one. And, um, and it doesn't seem like it'd be that big of a challenge. And we both grew up riding motorcycles every day, obviously living down in Florida, so forth. So we, I know a lot about, uh, bikes. Uh, but I knew nothing about running a retail operation and neither did him. And not only is it just retail with um, sales and marketing, but I also do with customer service and then running a service department and so forth. And then having floor plan and everything. And I'll just let you know, it was a total disaster, okay? It, it was a very expensive lesson learned. But there was a lot of lessons learned in there. And that is the, the main lesson is, and I can't stress this enough for every entrepreneur and everybody says it is to surround yourself with people who are smarter than you. But oh my gosh, how helpful is that to have people that are smarter than you? Not everybody needs to be the expert to, to be an entrepreneur, but you better surround yourself with people that are pretty close to being expert. And, and as the CEO or the president or whoever you're going to be, if you can be the facilitator of that expertise, then you can have a successful business. And, and um, if you, and you also need to be able to work on your company, not work in your company. And that's key too, because in that particular motorcycle industry, um, dealership, I was working in it. Steve was working in it. And we, that old prefer, um, saying you can't see the forest through the trees, we were there. Right. And it just, it was, it was tough. And, uh, so that was probably my very, it was smaller uh, than a lot of projects, but it's probably my worst experience as an entrepreneur. 
Yeah, because it, it, we thought it was a slam dunk because we knew everything there is to know about the product, but we knew nothing else about the rest of the uh, action items to run the business. That's great, Steve. Thanks for being a little vulnerable and, and talking yeah. about those. <laughs> Just don't ask me how much I lost. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Dang, that was my next question. Okay. <laughs> I'm teasing. Um, no, that's great. You were talking about how you're trying to enable nonprofits to be more effective and actually do the good work that they're setting out to do rather than bookkeeping and marketing and all those back behind the scenes type of things they have to do. Can you just talk about the impact you've already had on that front with your customers, any stories they've shared with you, kind of validation yeah. of that vision? Yeah. So I'll put another shout out to Grady's Decision. They're out of Erie, Pennsylvania. And Ryan Smith, um, similar to you, Scott, he's a, he's a, has a wealth management firm, uh, very successful out there in Erie. But um, through some tragedy in his family, he started Grady's Decision quite a few years ago. And when I first met him, and this was as an investor opportunity and not so much as a, a customer opportunity, and he learned more and more about maps. He actually asked us if maps can handle some of his, just his back office with regards to his volunteers and, and scheduling coordinating. And of course we could. Uh, and this was still really when we were in our beginning stages development, although we had a, a, a working beta platform out there. So through his, again, expertise and guidance, he really helped us structure, develop, um, code, um, new tools for nonprofits to make maps, a one-stop, um, platform for the nonprofits. And, and actually he was one of the, um, the, the innovators, shall I say for the event planner, because we, that was never on our radar, but he talked about, he ran a golf event every year and how the three different platforms he had to use and he was still also using Excel spreadsheets and everything. And, and he asked if we could, if maps could do that. And, and he worked with, with our, uh, development team, uh, with a couple of people that, uh, the guys that we have upstairs in our innovation group and we'll put together the, uh, events, uh, planning module as well. So, um, but through great decision, and, and he actually goes on many, uh, customer road shows with me, um, and just gives them real life experience about how his staff now is more focused on the placement of that monetary value in helping the recipients of the, who are in need versus trying to run their day-to-day -day operations. And his, this is back in. Uh, the end of March, so a couple of weeks back. Year to date, uh, since the end of March, compared year over year last year, he's had 100% already of his, 100% of his donations they took in all of last year. So he's feeling an impact just by using maps, which is incredible, right? So a big shout out to uh, Grady's decision, and uh, but yeah, hopefully that's a good story. That's a that's a great story. 100% in. Uh... Yeah. And only three months or four months into the year, that that's fantastic. Uh, and and as he says, he's just had he and and a couple of his team members have had the time to dedicate to raising money 
versus the back office administrative activities. So that's a big difference for them. That's great. So let, let's let's fast forward you know, five, 10 years. Maps is a huge success. What does it look like? Yeah, so three or four or five years. Well, um, I, I, I would love to see, there's two segments uh, that I really want to focus on. And obviously we've talked all about nonprofits. So nonprofits has become our, our vision, our mission. And uh, Alicia Rogers says it the best in that it, she has a passion for nonprofits. It's close and dear to her heart. Uh, she actually has a touch point with every nonprofit that's, that's on board map. She was up uh, last week in Erie with a new one called Emma's Footprints in, in Erie, Pennsylvania. Um, again, another nonprofit that was born out of tragedy. And I think that's the, uh, the precedence of, of most nonprofits is that there was some sort of tragedy in the family or something and, and people start up a nonprofits. Um, so I want to grow this nonprofit space a lot and, and help as many not small nonprofits as we can. It, we're working with United Ways and so forth. So they're, they're large and they have a, a much bigger budget, but they also have a need. Um, so that's, that's one um, segment that I really want to see in five years that we really excel at. And the other one is healthcare. We're, we're in that space helping rural hospitals, rural facilities, um, uh, with regards to the patient outcomes. And once the patient reaches the home, uh, just because they're discharged from a hospital, they're not just left out there on their own. We're working in this space called the social determinants of health. And, uh, we're, we've teamed up with a company out of Wexford, Pennsylvania called centers for healthcare solution. And so we have a pilot program in place for the social determinants health program. And I'm really excited about that. So in five years, I'd like to see us have a huge footprint in the rural health space as well. That's great. You know, selling selling motorcycles sounds very sexy and cool, Steve, but I think the impact you're having on, on the nonprofit world and uh, and healthcare seems more fulfilling ultimately. So yeah, I, w- I, I wish I, you all the success in that. Thank you. Yeah, it is. Uh, like I said, you know, personally to me and then certainly to uh, every team member that we have on board. And, and the biggest impact, obviously, uh, is on those that are touch points of every nonprofit and, and also in the healthcare. Well, Steve, we'd like to finish up our show with a couple of light questions. I'll start with um, what advice would you give your younger self? So you've just gotten out of college, 22, starting over again. What would you tell younger Steve to do? Yeah, when I first got out of the military, if you'd asked me that question, I would have said, uh, don't join the military. Okay. <laughs> but I, I just left Desert Storms. I wasn't in the best of, of my there. But now looking back, I would say I wouldn't change that at all. Um, if we were just out of reflection, I would have said, uh, I would tell myself, stay in and, and make a career out of it because mm-hmm. the military okay. is a great opportunity. Uh, yeah. You just have a lot of patience and, and you can learn so much from being in the military. Uh, but again, it was a good uh, boilerplate for me to start my, and excel in my entrepreneurial career. So that would be one thing I, I uh, told myself. And obviously there's a lot of le- lessons in life we learn al- along the way. So um, there's a few things I, I, I might change, but honestly, and we talked about this, all those failures, they're invaluable, right? I mean, yeah, we talked yeah. about it and, and 
I don't want to change those. I, you learn the most from the failures more so than you do this, uh, those that are successful. So because we kind of take the success for granted, uh, we may cry internally a little bit about the failures for a while, but we can always reflect back and say, well, you, you know what? I probably should have done that. So that that's type of situation uh, comes up again. Uh, it's, it's makes for an easy decision process. Yeah. It's probably almost a good thing that we cannot go back and wipe out those failures and change history because we wouldn't be the people we are today well, that's uh, right. without well, those. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look at Michael Jordan, right? Everybody brings that up, but it is so true. His failure is that he didn't even make the junior high team, right? Or whatever team it was. And he set his mind, whether he told himself to be the greatest basketball player ever, or that's debatable, but uh, in my mind he is. But look what he became because of that failure. And if he would not have had that failure, who knows? Maybe he would have sat on his hands a little bit more, just said, okay, I'm good. And, and maybe he would not have been the best player that he turned out to be. I would add going to baseball on the list of his failures, but well, <laughs> although yeah. look, I never made the MLB, so I guess I shouldn't really, uh, really count that up as a failure. <laughs> well, you didn't bear to me. I wasn't even thought of from any, you know, that was just, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so, you know, having, as I mentioned, just come back from the Dominican Republic, I've got rum cocktails on the mind. So. My my last question to you is, what's your favorite drink? Uh, is there a certain drink that you've been enjoying recently? So, yeah, so I love hazy IPAs, but I the older I get, the more they don't necessarily agree with my stomach, unfortunately. But I love hazy IPAs. But so I've kind of turned into a uh, uh, a vodka and a grapefruit juice kind of guy, believe it or not. So I know it sounds kind of uh, benign, and you know, but it is I I enjoy it. Have you have you tried Dancing Gnomes uh, Hazy IPAs? I have not. Are they easy on the stomach? Or they? In, in my opinion, their Lustra is very easy on the stomach, and okay. uh, in my opinion, best Hazy IPA in Pennsylvania. Certainly. All right, so Dancing Gnomes, huh? Okay, that's that's a yeah. easy name to remember. I will try those then. I'll, yeah, I'll they're, they're in Sharpsburg. Okay, they're in Sharpsburg, they've got a great outdoor, and uh, hi highly recommend them. All right, very good. So we have a local uh, brewery up here. It's called Trails to Ales up in Franklin. And uh, so they have uh, custom beers, I'll be craft beers. And they have uh, the River Fog, which is, I hate the IP, which is really, again, it's really, really good. Uh, and uh, so usually on, in fact, tonight's wing night there. So I'll go there tonight and I'll usually have one, but then I regret it then later on, but it's still good. <laughs> you know, sometimes you just do what you, you know, you shouldn't do what you do it anyway. So. Well, Steve, I really enjoyed hearing about your story and what you've learned from the motorcycles and the Baywatch and the Navy and what the impact you're trying to have with MAPS technology. So thanks so much for being a guest today. And thanks, everybody, for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, Please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. It all helps. Steve, how can people follow you if they want to learn more about MAPS or you and your what you're up to? Yeah, sure. So obviously I have a LinkedIn page. So it's just Steve Weissman, W-E-I-S-M-A-N-N. -N. 
And then also, it's, uh, you just go to MAPS Technologies, www.mapsmapstechnologies.com, and you can learn okay. all about us. All right. All right. Great. So do that. And you can follow me on LinkedIn at joel-reed-oa and follow Scott on LinkedIn at scotttobe-sfp. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.